This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. How are you? Doing okay? Good? Good. Well, I'm happy to be with you. We're happy to be back. It's been an interesting couple of weeks here. Um, got, a little, got a little under the weather and... You know, and nowadays, like, you can't even cough in public. You get, you get ostracized or something. You'd be like, oh, no. So we just, we just decided to be real careful and, and, uh, and, and keep our distance for a little while. And, but, but we're feeling better now, back up, back up and running. And um, so we're, we're thankful to be here. I'm thankful for everybody that stepped up in our absence, especially at short notice. Cody stepped up a couple weeks ago and, and uh, preached a great sermon um, for us, and then Ken preached last week, um, fantastic sermon, really appreciate those guys being willing to step in and, and take, uh, take it and run with it, and so that's, that's an important thing. You know, when you, when you have a good team around you, you can, um, you can step away and, and you can and, and trust and know that, that things are going to keep going and, and and keep happening the way they're supposed to, and and that's that's an important thing. So, um, you know what? Just on a personal note, I want to I want to wish uh, TJ and Rachel a happy sixth anniversary. I think it is this. Uh, it's actually today. Uh, there is their sixth anniversary. That's why he's not here today. But um, you know, we we were looking at it, and I know this has been a really strange year. But we were looking at it and and realized that. He has led worship every Sunday since this Sunday last year. It's not healthy, but, you know, it's been an unhealthy year all the way around, right? So he needed a, he, he deserved a good day off, and um, we're, we're thankful for the rest of the team that is able to step up. We have a fantastic worship team, and we're so, so proud of them, so thankful for them, and um, just blessed every, every single Sunday. Um, to to come and to be able to worship together, and and to be able to enter into the presence of God. You know, I I feel like it, one of the things that you know these past two weeks we 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 were in the service, but we were we were online in the service, right? Um, and, and those of you who are watching online, you are you are in the service with us because there's no distance in the spirit, right? And we are gathered in spirit right now. We're gathered in, in spirit. And so one of the things that I think is important for us to do when we gather in spirit is to, is to actually get in the spirit, right? Get in tune with the spirit. And, 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 and you know, as Chad mentioned, worship in the spirit. That, that means different things in different churches, you know? But what, what, I, what I believe it means is is that we set aside any of the world's stuff that's distracting us. We set aside anything of lesser value and we focus in on the one thing that has value in this moment, and that is the presence of God. And if we can just bask in His presence for this moment, if we can remove every, everything else out and, and just be in His presence, then we will have come here for a good reason, right? And we will be able to take that with us into the rest of the week and and be with him because he was with us and and it's that presence that we come seeking and and that's really what you know this whole 
Reboot series has been about for me. It is about coming into the presence of God. It's about shutting down all the other things. Now, you know, sometimes you have good ideas before they happen. Sometimes you have good ideas after they're almost over with. And, and I had a great idea of how to name all the, all the sermons in this, in this uh, series about, about part six, the way in. So today is part six in this reboot series. But I'm going to recap it with the new improved uh, sermon titles for you, all right? So w- when, we f- when we first started this out, we started out by talking about um, shutdown and restart, right? Is, is, is that what we call it? We call it shutdown and start up. That's what I called it. But I wish I would have called it refocus because really that's what it was about. It's about refocusing. It, it's about taking everything away and refocusing on what matters, on, on shutting it all down and then just restarting those things that really matter, that really, um, that really will lead to the, the, the goal that we're, that we're going for. The next week we talked about just ask, right? And, and just asking God and, and how Gideon just cried out to God and just asked him for a sign. He says, show me something that I can build my faith with. And I wish I would have called that request, right? Refocus, request. Get see the pattern? That's what preachers do. We do this. The next week we talked about confidence to reboot. The confidence that comes when God has shown us, He's revealed to us, He's given us a vision of where we're going. And now we just need that confidence to step out. And we know that God is giving us and speaking to us, showing us signs, revealing to us. And, and, and remember Gideon overheard someone talking and saying, yeah, Gideon's coming to get us. You see, they were, they were so afraid of him that every little sound, they said, oh, that must be Gideon. And because, because God had prepared the ground for us. I, I would have called that one recalculate. And then Cody stepped in and he preached a powerful sermon about hope. About that our hope, um, hope comes from power and power keeps us in awe. That, that we live in when we live in hope, it leads to power because what we expect in hope is what we receive. What you're looking for is what you're going to find. What you're, what you're focusing on is what you're going to see. And if we're focused on hope, if, if we're stuck in hopelessness, I'm not going to try to re-preach anything, but if, if we're stuck in hopelessness, that's what we'll find. But if we're seeking hope, we will see power. And that power will keep us in awe of God. The more we see God do, the more we will experience of Him. I wouldn't rename that one because that one wasn't mine. And then Ken preached. And he called it Reboot Your Agenda. He's the only one that actually stuck to the title of the series. Reboot Your Agenda. And it's basically about taking whatever, whatever has gotten your attention, whether it's, you know, trying to make other people happy, whether it's your stuff, whether it's, you know, whatever it is that's taken you off, to reboot that agenda and to reboot what you're doing and why you're doing it. And, and to come at it from a, a beginner's mindset, not an expert thinking you know everything. Right? It's a great, it's a great reminder. And it, and it, and it leads 
to what we're going to talk about today. And today, we're, we're going to, I'm going to try it again, because my sermon three, two, three weeks ago now, I guess, was supposed to be Remind, when I finally got this sermon title thing worked out. So today we're going to do Remind again. We're going to try it again. Sometimes you got to come back and try it again, right? Next week, we're going to do Remember. Today is the setup for next week, and next week is a setup for the next series, because that's how I think God does things. And, and, and God's been working in my heart, my mind, and, and in, in the, the hearts of the, the leadership and, and everybody, and, and the hearts of the church, because I hear this ringing throughout the church, Big C Church. This call back to our values this call back to our vision. This call back to our mission of why are we actually here? That's what we're going to spend November really digging into and talking about. Really understanding who we are as a church and why we're here as a church. Because I think coming back to that, remembering why that is. But today I want to talk about reminding. Now, when I talk about reminding, uh, I'm coming at it from a little bit of a different uh, a different perspective because to be reminded of something means that there might have been something you forgot and then you were reminded about it, right? In the, in my, uh, uh, it it reminded me of, of something my grandmother used to say, and I'm from East Tennessee where, you know, people say things in funny ways. And, and, and she used to say stuff like, I, I, was a, I, I was of the mind of doing this and that today, right? And, and it Got me thinking about that, that phrase that I, I, was, I was of the mind of being, you know, this way or doing that or whatever it might be. And, and, and I thought, man, yeah, that's exactly it. When we are of the mind of something, that's what we do. When we are of the mind of a particular action, that's the action that we will take and that's the life that we will ultimately live, Right? And being of, a, of the mind of something is, is, is really going to be revealed in the, the daily actions that you live out. And, and so, if we could be reminded, if, in other words, if we could have a mind transplant, right? If we could have the mind that has gotten off track or gotten out of whack or gotten, you know, somewhere else, and, and just bring it back in and just remind it. Do it again. Restart, right? Re, all these re-words. All these re-words remind me of repentance. Repentance is a, is, a, is a beautiful word in the Scriptures. And we've, we've turned it into kind of a dirty word, right? We, we've turned it into sort of this thing that, that we have to do. And it's all oh, like, I have to, you know, we have to feel ashamed about it. Or we have to feel guilty about it. Or, you know, or finally we give in and we repent. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what repentance is in the Scripture. Repentance means that I am changing my thoughts and changing my actions to move in the direction that I actually want to go. Right? It's like if I'm going down the road and I'm, but, but my GPS is telling me you're going the wrong way. Right? What do I need to do? I need to repent. I need to turn around and go the right way so I can get where I'm supposed to go. Because God has a plan for where you're to go. He knows the plans that He has for you, says the Lord. 
plans to prosper you and to bless you and to, to love you and to bring the most out of you and to let you fulfill your destiny and, and the reason that you are here, your purpose in this life. I, I heard a, a great, there's a great book out there called the, the War of Art. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it. It's by, uh, I think his name is Pressfield. And and I was, I was listening to something, and he was talking about this idea. And, and, and in the War of Art, he says, he says that when you sit down to write, he's a writer, so he writes about writing. And, and, and he says, when you sit down to create whatever it is that you are meant to create, whatever it is that you were put here on this planet to do, the moment you wake up in the morning, resistance wakes up with you. The moment you wake up to do that, which whatever it is that God has called you to do, is the moment that resistance wakes up with you to do it. And the moment you sit down at that keyboard or at that notebook to start writing, is the moment that resistance starts pushing against you. And the, the whole key to success, he says, is not to crank out a certain number of words. The whole key to success is defeat the resistance is to destroy the resistance that's keeping you from stepping into your calling, from stepping into your purpose here on this, uh, on this earth. Because God created you for such a time as this. He put you where you are, when you are, because He has a plan for who you are and, and what He wants to do with you moving forward. And when we can get our minds wrapped around that, when we can understand that the work that we've been called to, that whatever it is that God has put in front of us to do is a divine calling. Whether that's being a teacher or a plumber or a preacher or an office worker or a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad or, you know, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. You fill it in. An entrepreneur, uh, there's another, <laughs> never mind. I, I could talk about too many books because I think about books too much. But there's, there's so many things out there right now that God is doing that are that is that is leading us to this understanding that if we will step into our calling if we will step into our purpose I, I, I will mention that because it's it's another book that's just coming out right now by Michael Hyatt called entrepreneurs will save the world now you got to read into it to understand what he's, what he's really talking about there. But what he really is talking about is that those people who know what their calling is, who know what their purpose is in life, and they step into it with the purpose of saying, I am going to get this done, and I'm going to overcome and solve any problem and any obstacle that gets in my way, and I'm going to do it not for myself, but for the people around me, and I'm going to do it so that it's a blessing for the people around me, and I'm going to accomplish it so that I will be able to leave a legacy and a contribution here on this planet. When I'm gone, I will leave a mark. That's an entrepreneurial mindset. I tell, this, I tell the staff all the time, we don't come here as employees of the church. We come here as entrepreneurs called by God to change the world. That's why we're here. That's what we're called to do in the church. Church staff and, and anybody serving in the church that thinks of themselves as an employee versus an entrepreneur is thinking in a wrong direction. We're not here to work for each other in, in the sense of authority. We're here to work for each other in the sense of blessing. 
How can I bless you? How can I serve you? How can I pour myself out for your good and lift you up and, 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 and help you move into that place where God has called you to be? And if I do that, then I have done my job. The Scripture says in Ephesians 4, it talks about they've been called to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and, and, and evangelists. Not to do the work of the ministry, but to prepare the saints and equip the saints for the ministry. You see, if you've been called to serve in the church, you are called to uplift the church to do the work of the church. Are you with me? That's a whole different sermon. We'll get back to that uh, some other time. But that's, that's where I wanted to... Whew, need to get that off my chest. Romans 12, verse 1. And we've used it. We've 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 hung around this verse a lot lately. Cody's been preaching on it. He's using it in elevate. Uh, we've we've used it. It's just it's just one of those hinge. It, it's one of those those hinge verses, hinge hinge passages in the scripture that help us to connect the dots. You see, in in Romans, the the book of Romans is really the treatise or the doctrinal statement of the church itself in long form. And everything from chapter 1 up to chapter 11 is basically helping us understand who God is and who we are in Him. From 12 on is basically telling us, now what are you going to do with that? That's, That's really how, I mean... You could break the book of Romans down into, you know, an outline from here to Gettysburg if you wanted to, but you could also break it down into two pieces, who he is and who we are in him, and now what am I going to do with that? It's kind of what it boils down to, and this is the beginning of now what am I going to do with that? If I understand who I am in Christ and I understand who Christ is in me, now I have power. I'm no longer a slave to sin. That that song comes out of Romans. I have the Word of God in me. I I, I can do all things through Christ. No weapon formed against me. All of these things come. I am more than a conqueror. God is for me and not against me. All these ideas come out of Romans. So what do I do with all of that? Here's what I do. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Here's my first point. Our only response to God's mercy is self-sacrificial worship. Self-sacrificial worship. Now, what that does not mean is that I have to sacrifice myself for my sin. No, no, no. Jesus already did that. We learned that in Romans 1 through 11. Right? It, we, we learned what Jesus did for us on the cross. We learned the sacrifice that He made. We learned the power that He has given to us and how He is our Father and how he, He's moved us into this place of forgiveness through not the first son, Adam, but the son, Jesus, who has led us out of our sin and into our victory. And now, and now what do I do? Now, in view of His mercy, in view of His grace, in view of doing what I could not do on my own by myself, in view of that, I give myself to Him completely. And I say, here am I, Lord, send me. Just as Isaiah did in the Old Testament. 
You see, in the Old Testament, there were certain prophets that saw something of the new covenant. They, they didn't fully understand it. They couldn't quite grasp it. And they couldn't fully explain it. But they lived into it anyway. This is how David did, did what he did. And, and how he said things. And, and he talked about Jesus even though he didn't know Jesus yet. He, he knew that the Messiah was coming even though he didn't know the whole concept of what that truly meant. He knew it was going to happen. Because God gave him a prophetic vision of that. He gave Isaiah a prophetic vision of how this was going to happen. We understand Christmas because Isaiah 750 years ago explained it to us. I mean, 750 years before it happened, explained it to us. Because God has been up to something all this time. God is always up to something. God is always working a plan. He's always had a strategy in place. None of, the, none of what is happening that the world is trying to scramble around and trying to figure out and trying to, how do we, what do we, I don't know, right? And, and they're jump running in circles. God is never running in circles. God does not operate in chaos. Chaos is the opposite of faith. Chaos is, is that spirit that comes from the enemy that swirls around our heads and, and keeps us from being able to think straight and, and, and make decisions and move in the right direction. But faith stops it in its tracks. That faith comes from a surrendered will to God's will. That faith comes when we say, not mine but yours be done. That faith comes when we self-sacrifice ourselves to the Lord and say, here am I, Lord, a living sacrifice given to you completely. I am yours. What would you have me do? And it's from that position. It's from that place that we find freedom. And it's from that place that we find power. It's from that place that we find the direction and the wisdom that comes only from God. In verse 2, he says... Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what transformed by the renewing of your mind means? Reminded. That's what it means. It means you've been reminded. You had a mind, and God transformed it, therefore you've been reminded, right? Anybody grow up in the 70s where they used to rebuild transmissions? Yeah. I don't know if they still do that or not anymore. It's probably just a computer. Like, I don't know. Rick could tell us all about it. But I, 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 had, a, I had an old 73 Chevelle that I, that I drove. It was a four-door, so I don't think it was cool. You know, it only sounds cool when you say it out loud, you know, a 73 Chevelle. But, yeah, this thing was, it was like dirt brown, which is the ugliest color in the world. It was, it was about as long as from here to the back door. Big four-door thing that it was just huge. But man, that, I mean, it looked like a submarine, really. Because it was kind of pointed on both ends. And, and it, it looked like a big brown submarine. It was my first car. I paid $750 for it. Replaced the trans, rebuilt the transmission in that thing three times. Because I drove like an idiot. But that's, had a... Big 350. The, the big 350 was too much for the little transmission that was in it. That was the problem. But every, every time, you know, you'd be, you'd be driving, you'd be doing dumb things, and, 
and, and then <laughs> strip some gears. How many of you feel like maybe strip some gears in your mind sometimes? Maybe, maybe sometimes things are not engaging just exactly right the way they're supposed to. And, 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 and sometimes you just need someone to come in and rebuild that thing. Put that thing back together and, 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 and line it back up so that, so that it works correctly again. That's what being transformed by the renewing of our minds is all about. You see, God wants to come in and realign the gears. He wants to come in and realign the things that have maybe gotten off track or out of whack. And, and now we can move in the direction that he wants us to move into. I think this whole past season that we have been in and are in and are moving through is a, is a realignment season. It's a season of, of, of filtering. It's a, it's a season of threshing in some ways. It's, it's this season of, of, of pressing us out and seeing, seeing where we really are. Understanding where we really are. What, what, what is our real commitment? What, what really matters? What is our real priorities? Because when we, when we get pressed on things, when, when, we get, when we get pressed out, rolled out, you start, to, you start to see what really matters to you. In verse 2, I just... He says, do not conform... To the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Point there is, being reminded connects us to the mind of God. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16 says, but we have the mind of Christ when we have gone through that whole process of, of, of being, re, being saved, being released from our sin, being restored by God's grace, then we have access to something that we didn't have access to before. And that is the mind of Christ. And so Paul says, who's going to tell the mind of God what to do? Who's going to counsel Him? We don't counsel Him. We don't tell Him what to do. He knows what to do. But we have His mind. We have access to the thoughts of God. We have access to the wisdom, to the revelation, to the knowledge that God has if we will tap in and if we will listen and if we will obey. And it's, and it's from that place that, that we test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. A lot of people are afraid of God's will. They're like, oh, well, well if I do God's will, then I'm going to have to go to Africa and be a missionary, right? That's the old go-to. God, God sends everybody to Africa to be missionaries, apparently. Or at least that's what it was when I was growing up. But you know what? If, you're, if God's will for you is to go to Africa and be a missionary, that's the only place that it will be good, pleasing, and perfect for you. That's not the will for everybody. It is the will for some. But what is it for you? Because you were made unique. You were knit together. Knit together in your mother's womb by God Himself. What does that mean? Every little turn, every little knot, every little thing that is in your life, God put it in place 
for His good, pleasing, perfect will to equip you and prepare you for what exactly you are here for right now. Stepping into that and not being distracted by the rest of the world. Not being distracted by the resistance. Not being distracted by the things that are shining out there in front of you. But pressing in. As the Apostle Paul says, I, I've not completely reached it all. But this one thing I do, forgetting everything else that is behind, I press on toward the goal for which Christ has called me heavenward. Listen, that verse doesn't just mean a destination in heaven that I'm just getting to heaven. No, heavenward means that I am living with God because where is heaven? With God. And when I am in God's good, pleasing, perfect will, where am I? I am with God. And that is what heaven looks like. Come on. That's what heaven is. When we are in His will, we are, we are experiencing heaven in that, in that moment, in that place. If you've ever gotten into the flow of things, you know, in the flow of your work, in the flow of where you, what you're doing and how you're accomplishing things, that is, that is a touch of heaven right there. When, when it's just flying out of you, right? When it's just rolling out of you, whatever it is you're doing or, or, or releasing because you are in the middle of the, the, the good pleasing and perfect will of God that flow just begins to roll out of you and it's a beautiful thing verse 3 says for by the grace given me the apostle Paul is writing I say to every one of you do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. It's funny because I've had several conversations this week with different people where that idea has come up. In accordance with your faith. That we live and operate in accordance with our faith. Where, what faith level has God put into you? Or let me, let me put it a different way. What area of life has God, put, has God put a higher measure of faith in for you? Right? I'm working this thought out on the fly. So let me, give me a little grace here. Just like the, the Apostle Paul says, for by the grace given me. So y'all give me some grace and we're going to work this out. Maybe, maybe, maybe being a, maybe being a teacher isn't necessarily your calling. And, and, and you think about going back in kingdom kids and teaching, you know, teaching uh, the third graders uh, and, it, and it just freaks you out. You break out into a cold sweat and you lose your mind, you know, but, but somebody says, hey, what about if we, what about if we go over to the mall and we, and we just talk to people about our faith and we like what what Cody and Elevate did uh, a couple weeks ago it's last Saturday right no not this one but last one went downtown and just kind of walked around at the market and and shared their faith with people and shared the love of God with people and you say yeah I'm all about that I'm excited about that well then you have a measure of faith in the area of evangelism that you don't necessarily have in the area of teaching right now, here's what we do. Well, then you need, to, you need to work on your faith in the area of teaching. Right? You need to build your faith. No, no, no. No, you don't. That's not the measure of faith you've been given. 
What you need to do is identify the area of faith that you've been given and then lean into that. The way the world says it is focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses. But see, God, talked, God thought about all of this way before we came up with all the business books that are out there right now, all the self-help books out there. Anything out there in a self-help book that actually works is already written in this book. The ultimate self-help book. It is the owner's manual. It is the, it is the foundation of everything that actually works out there in the world. Now, am I against it? By no means. I have two offices packed as full of books. Uh, most of them are self-help. But it, all it is is commentary on the Word of God. All it is, even if they don't know what they were writing, it, all it is is commentary on what God already said. This is what works. What's your strength? That's your measure of faith. That's where you've got faith to step out and to go after that thing. And to, and to do that thing. Where other people are be like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Then you've got to step on. You've got the faith in that area. Right? If, if, you've, got, if you've got faith in, in the apostolic calling. I know we get weird about that, that word in church. But it's just, all it really means is to change a culture. All it really means is to take what was and turn it into something that looks more like the kingdom. That's what kingdom, the apostolic calling and mandate is in the kingdom. And, and I, you know, I, remember, I remember doing this back in the old building when we were back over there. And I just felt like God was saying, we need to, we got to move forward in our, in our methods. We got we to gotta move forward. And one of the most apostolic things that I've ever done in my, in my ministry career. It's on one Monday morning after a very frustrating Sunday morning. I walked, in on, I walked into the church on a Monday morning as a very young, inexperienced, ignorant pastor who had no idea what he was doing, but just listening to what God was telling me. And I packed up all the hymn books. In the, I took them out of the back of the seats all throughout the church. And I put them in a box. And I put them in a closet. And I closed the doors so no one would ever find them. And the following Sunday, people came in and were like, where are the hymn books? What are we going to sing? And we put stuff up on the screen. And Lord have mercy. We survived, but listen, that's changing a culture, right? That is shifting a culture. That is listening to God and, and obeying God and taking the risk and saying, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. Will you follow me? And will you lead others to get there? That's the apostolic calling. That's the apostolic faith that some of us are given to go out in front and to do what is probably going to get us stoned or at least rocks thrown at us, but we're going to do it anyway. That requires faith. If you have a prophetic word for somebody, if God's speaking to you and through you for someone, and you're like, I can't wait to get to that person to tell them, that's apostol that is prophetic faith that God has given to you. Other people will be like, I would never do that. There's no way I'm going to ever do that. Now, what if it don't work? What if it don't happen? What if, what if, what if, right? Okay, then you don't have that. Find yours. Find what is your measure of faith and live into that. Because rather than sitting around judging each other for, well, you don't have enough faith in that area. You don't have enough in that area. You don't have, or we do the opposite. Ooh, look at how much faith they have in that area. 
and we put them up on a pedestal and we put them so far out of reach and we make superstars out of somebody because we think, oh, let's worship their gift. No, no, we don't worship the gift. We worship the giver of the gift. And whatever the gift is that they have, you have too. You have one like it. You have something that God has put into you, a measure of faith that God has put into you that He wants to bring out of you for the good of the whole, for everyone, right? 1 Corinthians 12 says that the gifts that God has given to us is for the mutual good of the body, right? But if I look at my little finger and say, why can't you be a good foot? Because I wasn't made to be a foot. Come on. But I can be the best little finger in the world. And I can live into the faith that is there. And the faith the size of a mustard seed that is placed in the right place can move mountains. That is released in the right way under God's direction and under God's calling can move mountains. Being reminded gives us a faith over fear perspective. Being reminded gives us a faith over fear perspective. In other words, I can step out in faith according to the measure of faith that I've been given in that area. I can step out in faith and I can live, I can see from a perspective that I could not see in maybe another area, right? Now, the Bible says that we do not live by sight, we live by faith, right? We don't live by the circumstance we see out there. We live by the faith that God has spoken to us and through us. And listen, that will happen in different areas for different people. That's why you need a team of people around you. That's why you need more than just, you know... You and no more. You need a whole bunch of people around you that are moving in the same direction, that are directed under God's guidance and, 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 and wisdom so that we can all contribute. Because there's, here's the truth, that with a faith perspective, you can see what other people can't see. But you might have a different perspective, a different level of faith in that particular area. And so your perspective is going to see the vision of that stronger and crisper than other people around you and that's when you step up and you lead in that area are you with me verse 4 for just as each of us has one body and many members. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. I'm telling you church, if we could get a hold of this. If we could get our egos and our pride out of the way. And, and, and as he said before that, uh, where, where he said, do not think of yourselves more highly than you're all, but humbly, right? That, that humility leads to power. And it leads to power because all of a sudden I realize I don't have to know everything. 
I don't have to do everything. I just have to do what I'm called to do. I just have to do what I am given a grace to do. I just have to do what I have been given a measure of faith to do. And step out in that. And then I empower people around me to do what they have been called to do and empowered to do and all of those things, right? And, and when we begin to do that and realize that we are all in it together for each other, and we're one body working for the mutual greater good of all of us to include the rest of the church, big C, right? The body of Christ around the world and through the ages. Now, all of a sudden, I have a much higher mandate on my life to do what God put me here to do so that you can do what God put you here to do so that we can step up and into our calling and purpose as believers and followers of Christ to build the kingdom together. And so my point there is being reminded connects us to each other. Just, just like in 1 Corinthians where he talks about, you know, the, the, the hand can't say to the, to the mouth, why aren't you talking better, right? No, no. Each one of us has a purpose. Here's the key though is that we have to step into that purpose. We have to step into that, to that reason. And, and we've segregated it so much within in our society, in our culture. We've segregated it to think that the only place I can actually serve God is in the church. No, no, no. See, the church is where you come to get equipped so you can go into the world and serve God. With a biblical worldview with a godly mandate on your life understanding that when you walk into that hospital as a nurse or a doctor that you are walking in there as a representative of Christ to do what he has called and equipped you to do in his name when you walk onto that construction site you walk in there to build whatever he's called you to build in his name with his blessing come on Suzanne makes t-shirts, my wife makes t-shirts and, and, and sells them on Etsy and they, and they go out to all over the world, like unbelievable. I think Hawaii might be the farthest one, right? But pretty much covered all the states in the United States. And every single one that she, she told me, I'm sorry I'm busting you out, but every single one that she makes, as she's making it, she's praying over it. And she, just, she, she prays that God's love would just go with this shirt wherever it's going into whoever's life and whoever's home it's going into. And, and whoever's going to wear it. You know, we're, we're waiting for testimonies to come back. Right? That, w- that when somebody got that shirt, you know, and, and they put it on, all of a sudden they felt the, felt the electricity of God blow through them. And, and what they were sick with is healed now. And all, you know, we're, we're waiting. Why, why, why would you do that? I mean, you're just making t-shirts. But if you're making t-shirts under the mandate of God, understanding that the measure of faith that He's given you is to come to you and through you for the sake of others, and, and if, that, if that prayer is going with that shirt out into the place, there, there's a biblical precedent for this, right? 
Uh, they, they, took the, they took the clothes that the Apostle Paul wore. They took the handkerchiefs that he used to wipe his sweat away. And, and they sent it to cities that he couldn't get to. And when it got there, the, 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 the anointing that was on that thing was carried in the Spirit to that place. And it was released in that place because of the faith that went with it. People will say, well, that's weird. Well, it's in the Bible, so... There's a, lot of, there's a lot weirder stuff than that. But what part, what can you do? What, what, what do you do that you could say, this is God working to me and through me. This is God releasing me into this place and for the sake of others because being reminded connects us to each other. Verse 6 through 8 says this, We all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. According to the grace given to us. I'm not supposed to stop reading in the middle of a a verse because of some online things that we're doing. Sorry, Didi. Thank you for serving. (laughs) TJ beats me up for this all the time because it messes everything up back there. But there's just so many good things in it. Like every single word I could preach a sermon from. Because it's just so powerful. All right, listen to what it says. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is, to, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is... To show mercy, do it cheerfully. Here's the point. Being reminded connects us to our kingdom purpose. When we are connected to our kingdom purpose. Now, I want to go back to that. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. What does grace imply? What does grace mean? It means you didn't do anything to get it. It means you didn't earn it. It means you don't deserve it. It doesn't mean that you can work for it. It means that God gave it. That's what it is. So you take what it is God gave you and you reboot your agenda with that thing. As Ken said last week, right? You reboot your agenda with what you've been given and you release it on God's behalf. You release it for the greater good of the body of Christ around you. And when you do that, then you will begin to flow in the process of God's strategy for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what God's strategy is, by the way. For your life. God's strategy for you is His good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. That's why I've said it a bazillion times. My purpose in life. My calling in life. And the measure of the place that I have. The strongest faith. And I will stand and scream on the rooftops. Is trade your will for God's will. Because God's will is better. That's what my whole existence on this planet boils down to. Is teaching and preaching and pleading with people to trade their will for God's will because His will is better. If we would all be in the center of His will, we become the unstoppable force that the church was meant to be and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Come on. We get to be a part of that. We get to be instrumental 
in that. You say, well, but I'm not a preacher. Well, that's good. Less competition for me. No, I'm just kidding. That, that's not a competition thing. We need more preachers. We're all about it. We, we're all about raising up people to, to preach the word, to, to serve, to, to make a difference. People like, like, like Nick and, and, and Joe and Wes, who were here on Wednesday night, leading and, and speaking and preaching and just going off. I mean, if you're not coming to the gathering on Wednesday night, you are missing the encounter that God is releasing to us. On, on the, in that midweek service, and it's become a worship service. So if you're online and, and you're saying, well, it's too crowded on Sunday morning, but I, I could come if it weren't so many people. Well, come Wednesday night until it begins too many people. But right now, there's room. And you will be blessed. Because God's encounter is here. That's what He's mandated in that moment for us to do is to come here and seek an encounter from Him. And, and we have these these guys that are just coming. I mean, Nick comes up here on first thing in the morning. I'm so excited to be at church this morning. And I believe him. Like he's not faking. He's really not. When I was 19, 20 years old, I don't know how old you are now, Nick. You 19 yet? 20? 18? 18, 18 years old? Last thing I was excited about on a Sunday morning was being in church. Come on. God transformed my mind. God has renewed my heart. And he's, and, and he's doing that all around us. And, and, and we're getting to be a part of that in, in other people. And, and, to, and to bring that into the world. To us and through us. What an amazing thing. That God is allowing us to do. So being reminded connects us to our kingdom purpose. Very often, your kingdom purpose is going to look an awful lot like what you do every single day. Because God has put you here to use where you are to do what He wants. And if we will just do that, if we'll just live with integrity as a, as a business owner or, or, or as, a, as a leader or a teacher or uh, whatever it might be, if we'll just live into that calling and allow the Spirit of God to flow to us and through us wherever we go. We get to be the delivery system of taking the Spirit of God where He would otherwise not have been taken because we get to take Him there. Come on. We're going to celebrate communion together. and One of the phrases that just shows up over and over throughout the Scripture is the phrase, in Him. And this phrase, in Him, means that we have been taken out of something and put into something else. We've been taken out of the world and put into Christ. We've been taken out of our sin and put into righteousness. We, we've been taken out so that we can be in. And the place where that happened... The place where that became a reality was on the cross. And when, and when Jesus stretched His arms out on that cross and was nailed and lifted up, the Scripture says, through this, 
I will draw all people to myself. (laughs) Because when we see the sacrifice that he made, when we see his willingness to lay it all down for us, then our only response to that mercy and to that grace is a self-sacrificial worship to say, I'm yours, Lord. I'm all yours. And when we celebrate communion together, we are reminded, we are reminded that it's in this sacrifice that we get to enter into our sacrifice. That because He gave it all for us, we get to give it all to Him. And His body was broken so that we could have this freedom. Would you receive the body of Christ? Scripture says that after they had eaten, Jesus lifted up the cup and He said, this is My blood that is given for you. It's for the forgiveness of your sin. And when you do this, do it in remembrance of Me. To be reminded of that sacrifice, would you receive the blood? Would you stand? If you're with us online and you're in your living room or your car or wherever it is that you might be, I just want you to understand that in the Spirit, we are all here in it together. We're all here together because we are meant to be together. Because the body is meant to be together. Because we need each other. We need every member of the body for the sake of all the other members of the body. We need every piece and every part. And you matter. And the the enemy wants you to think that you don't. The enemy wants to get into your mind and and make you think that you don't matter. That that, that you don't have a part to play. That you don't have something, something to contribute. But I tell you right now that if you will allow Him, God will remind your mind. He will rework it. He will restore it. He will redeem it. And He will release it into the world for His purpose and for His good and pleasing and perfect will. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank You that we get to come and worship, that we get to be together, either in person or online. We, we thank You, Lord, for any who will come years from now watching this on YouTube and, and, and recognize that this message was preached for them in advance because You always 
have a plan. You always have a strategy. You are always working things out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And Lord, we are grateful to be those people that have been called by your name, who love you and are called by your name to do the work of the kingdom and to do your will and to release what you've given us faith for in this world. We release it, Lord, in Jesus' name. We release it for the mutual good of all those around us in your holy and precious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.